and uh, this will be our best step foot uh, footstep for. <laughs> Man, I messed up. Yeah, easy for him to say, <laughs> Mister Not the Speaker. Oh boy. Ah, yes, stuck in the middle with you right here at the broadcast. You got it in the right place, the broadcast. As heard on KPFK 90.7 in Los Angeles, 91.7 FM, KYAQ on the Oregon Central Coast, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, WLRI 93FM in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, on iTunes, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, RadioOrNot.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik five days a week. Usually hosted by kind of a nice guy, Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. But today, you got me, Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com. And boy, do we have a busy show for you today. You know, uh, when the day started, um, all indications were that Kevin McCarthy was going to be the next Speaker of the House. But you know what they say, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Oh boy, we'll give you the whole soap opera-like saga. And Congressman Alan Grayson, the guy who filed an ethics complaint against Kevin McCarthy just yesterday, uh, will weigh in today as well on this edition of the broadcast. But I want to start with Kevin McCarthy the man who would be speaker, but he's not. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, shall we? Um, As I mentioned at the beginning, I'm Nicole Sandler, in for Brad Friedman. And one thing you may not know about me, unless you listen to my show at RadioOrNot.com, that is, I have a wicked case of insomnia. And so I find myself out in the living room, oftentimes in the wee hours of the morning, flipping around the TV channels. And that's what happened last night or this morning, depending on how you look at it. And I happened to stumble upon Rachel Maddow kind of like smirking in a snarky sort of way. And well, I I backed it up because I wanted to hear what she was going on about because she was saying things that seemed not to make any sense. And here's the thing. They didn't. Listen for yourself. Sometimes truth comes out in other manners. Okay. Sometimes truth comes out in other manners. Hmm. In other manners. In other manners. It wasn't what I, in my mind, was saying out there. Okay. It wasn't what I, in my mind, was saying out there. It wasn't what I, in my mind. And believe me now, I do not want to make that harm Benghazi committee. I do not want to make that harm. Harm? This has been a bit of a setback. It's been a setback, yes, because I do not want to make that harm Benghazi committee in any way. What? I do not want to make that harm Benghazi okay. committee yeah, in got any it. way. Don't know what it means. Kevin McCarthy okay. is not getting better. Mm. When he gave his big foreign policy speech the first business day after John Boehner stepped down as speaker, the kind-hearted among us wondered if maybe he spoke so incoherently in that speech just because it was that first day. You know, just because he was okay. nervous. First maybe. day jitters, maybe. Got it. Right. You don't have the same as difficult decision. But this White House is managing the decline and putting us in tough decisions for the future. Oh, Petraeus come on now. and Crocker had an effective politically strategy to match the military strategy. The simple promise. Politically strategy? To all of our heroes, to the need when they need it most. Huh? The president would allow the ban on Iranian oil exports to be lifted and also stand by a Russia blackmails an entire continent all the while keeping the place of the ban on America. What? 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 What is he saying? Are, Are you getting this? All right, we'll keep going. In the past few years alone, I have visited Poland, Hungary. Hungary? Estonia. What? We're not editing that stuff. That's just like... That was the first day back at work after John Boehner resigned. 
uh, John Boehner resigning put Kevin McCarthy in line to be the next Speaker of the House. But it turns out we now know those were not first day jitters. That is just kind of the way he tries to talk. That's Lovely. the way he is all hey. the time. We now wow. know because okay. after that first gobbledygook, nonsense, Matt Libs, bad lip reading translated back into English from some other language, foreign policy speech, yeah. in the days after that disaster, he kept on keeping on. I mean, it was the days after that when he said totally unprompted on the Fox News Channel that Republicans had created the Benghazi committee to bring down Hillary Clinton's poll numbers. After defending that for a few days yeah. today, Mr. McCarthy uh, finally admitted that he messed that up. Uh-oh. You know, but even when he was still defending it, he still really, truly has continued to have a very hard time talking in a way that makes sense. Despite his verbal trouble, <laughs> House Republicans do seem set to go ahead tomorrow with nominating Kevin McCarthy to be the new speaker this of the House. This was yesterday, which would remember? Put him third okay. in line to the presidency Eeks. after Vice President Biden. And Ouch. even today, on the precipice of that achievement, yeah. as he is more and more frequently now being asked about the really big issues of the day yeah. and America's role in the world, still, today, the man cannot speak in a way that consistently makes sense. Oh, no. This is Kevin McCarthy asking today, okay. why wouldn't the president treat America the same as he's treat Iran? But as we recently discussed, this president put forward an Iran agreement. Why wouldn't the president treat America the same as he's treat Iran? What? The same as he's treat Iran. Or trick, or treat Iran. The same as he's treat. Speaker yeah. to be Kevin McCarthy. Or not. What about world leaders? Mr. McCarthy, world leaders. Yeah. What do they use energy to put influence? No. Do you have any thoughts on that? When you think about what's going on in the world and you look at uh, world leaders... They use energy to put influence almost like a military resource. They what? use energy to put influence almost like a military resource. Okay? okay. No, not okay. So I, I watched that and I thought, okay, I, I'm still half asleep. This is not making any sense. Um, so I'm going to go elsewhere. So I flipped around the DVR and I come upon Stephen Colbert who I adore. And I thought, okay, this is just what I need after that incoherence, something that makes sense. Take it away, Stephen Colbert. McCarthy's got uh -oh. plenty of support in Congress, so he's got the House part down. But apparently, he's still working on the Speaker. Ah. They'd have a minority group within one party to say you cannot have a debate. You cannot have a vote on the bill. It isn't too important. And today is the day that should really look to and the pressure mount to actually let the people have a say. What? Strong English-like words. <laughs> Today is in too important the day that should really look to and the pressure mount. Yeah. If not, who? Who? Now, I'm not sure what any of that means, Me but... Okay. Not alone. I'm sure it means just as much as this foreign policy speech he gave last week. We must engage this war of radical Islam if our life depended on it, because it does. We don't have the same as difficult decision, but this White House is managing the decline and putting us in tough decisions. He did not. In the past he did few not. years alone, I have visited Poland, Hungary, Hungary Estonia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Russia, and Georgia. Yikes. Wow, that guy is well-traveled. Hopefully, his experience in Hungary will allow him to finally broker a peace treaty with Narnia. There's that. Now, some people... Okay. Got, understood that is about it. Thank you, Colbert. Now, some people say McCarthy's trouble in expressing his vision of leadership or anything else <laughs> makes him disqualified to be Speaker of the House. But to them, I say, my fellow Americans, long before times have we faced great challenges of this nation, but... America is anything if not a land from opportunity. Mm. Of the Speaker and the House, Kevin McCarthy wants to rise that opportunity <laughs> and let every mouth speech as one. Yeah. It's the circle of life, and it moves us all. Because without a brave leadership, America won't be left behind. I believe it was Ronald Reagan who said, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> and those are words are still are true today. Yeah. Thank you. May God thank America, and hello. Stephen Colbert, everyone. Uh, making sense of Kevin McCarthy as only Stephen Colbert can. So, 
Under that backdrop, we were all excited, got the popcorn popped, ready for the first round of voting in the House of Representatives to make Kevin McCartney the new Speaker of the House. And then this happened. We've been going through this campaign, talking to a lot of members, but the one thing I've always said to earn this majority, we're servants. We what? should put this conference first. Okay. And I think there's something to be said for us to unite. We probably need a fresh face. Okay. I'll stay on as majority leader. Huh? But the one thing I found in talking to everybody, if we are going to unite and be strong, we need a new face Ooh. to help do that. Ooh. So nothing more than that. I feel good about the decision. I feel great to have my family here, my colleagues. I think we're only going to be stronger. Uh, we fought hard to win this majority and turn this country around. And uh, this will be a best step foot, uh, foot step for... Easy for you to say. We had our conference, and um, there's calls into the district. I, I don't want making voting for speaker a tough one. I don't want to go to the floor and win with 220 votes. I think the best thing for our party right now is that you have 247 votes on the floor. If we are going to be strong, we got to be 100% united. And I think, you know what? Let's put, let's put the conference first, because that's what we're about to do. Look, 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 we have been talking, I've been talking with a number of members, we've been thinking about this throughout the week, trying to see if we can get there. I just think it's best we have a new face. Mr. McCarthy, how much did uh, your comments about Benghazi last week play into your decision to step aside today? Well, that wasn't helpful. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I could have said it much better. But this... <laughs> yeah, think. Benghazi committee was only created for one purpose, to find the truth on behalf of the families for the four dead Americans. I should not be a con distraction from that, and that's part of the decision as well. Okay, and so there you have it. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, in a, you know, something that would put a soap opera to shame, uh, says, you know, on second thought... Yeah, maybe I don't want to be Speaker of the House after all. <gasps> well, I guess we will, um, uh, you know, wait and find out why, if there's anything more. Although, I noticed a correlation. Something happened yesterday. Congressman Alan Grayson, also a candidate for the U.S. Senate from my state of Florida, actually filed an ethics complaint against Kevin McCarthy and Trey Gowdy for wasting taxpayer money on uh, what amounts to a witch hunt. And today, Kevin McCarthy says, yeah, maybe I don't want to be speaker after all. Hmm. Interesting stuff, right? So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side with Congressman Alan Grayson himself and see if he wants to take the blame. Or the thanks, whichever the case may be. So stick around. Uh, more of the broadcast is coming up with me, your faithful guest host, Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com, and Congressman Alan Grayson next. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. One more Nicole. She's on live Monday through Friday from 10 to noon Eastern Time and repeating all day at RadioOrNot.com. Listen anytime. Don't speak, no, it's what you say. So please 
don't. Don't speak. Well, we've already determined in the first segment that uh, would-be Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, has a little trouble along those lines, you know, when it comes to speaking. So, earlier today he said, well, regarding my quest for Speaker, never mind. Mm. So, I was trying to put two and two together. By the way, I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com, in for Brad Friedman on the broadcast. I was thinking, so what happened between yesterday and today to make Kevin McCarthy change his mind? Well, it could be we made fun of the fact that he can't put three words together to make a sentence, but it's got to be something more than that. So, with that in mind, joining us on the line now is Congressman Alan Grayson, who yesterday, we learned, filed an ethics complaint against uh, Kevin McCarthy and Trey Gowdy. And uh, today, what was supposed to be an almost routine vote uh, propelling Kevin McCarthy to uh, the speakership uh, seems to have all come unraveled. So, Congressman Grayson, is this your doing? Quite possibly. Yeah. Uh, you know, McCarthy just uh, spoke about this, and he said that one of the factors, um, he was asked, why did you do this? What's the reason? It has something to do with your statement uh, about Benghazi. And um, he said, he said basically yes. Uh, he comes, he came as close to yes as, as Republicans in Washington D.C. ever do. What he says was, well, that didn't help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I think that by turning up the heat on him by filing an ethics complaint regarding his confession that he'd wasted four and a half million dollars of taxpayer funds on a witch hunt called the Benghazi Committee. Um, actually did some good. Yeah, and you know what's blowing my mind is hearing the backtracking and Trey Gowdy, who reminds me of the the bad kid from um, Harry Potter, you know, who was in Slytherin. I don't know if you read the Harry Potter books, but um, uh, Trey Gowdy, um, he's been saying, well, he apologized. What more do you want? Well, you know, maybe an admission that he spoke the truth and for speaking the truth, um, he's now incurred the wrath of his caucus. Uh, they don't want him there because he d- he admitted that they went on a witch hunt. And the reason for this select committee was to help, I guess, further uh, derail her presidential candidacy. Um, so so it seems like everyone else is trying to do damage control. But uh, so I, I obviously wasn't there. I was wrapping up my show this morning when uh, I saw all hell break loose on Twitter. So were you in the chamber? I mean, how did this all unfold? Oh, I, I was in my office, and, and uh, it, it is a momentous event, no question about it. Anybody who works on Capitol Hill regards this as, uh, you know, one of the, one of the most uh, important news events that could actually happen uh, for, for us uh, and also indirectly for the country. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a very simple matter. Um, he told the truth, and it set us free of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth did set us free. It set us free of him and the prospect that he would be Speaker of the House <clears throat> and uh, third in line for the presidency. That's amazing. So now there is no, I mean, uh, you you look at the names that are in contention. Steve Scalise, really? Um, and even worse, Daniel Webster. I read on somebody tweeted out Daniel Webster now seems to be like the leading contender. Daniel Webster, of course, uh, from our state of Florida. Well, it's not going to happen. No. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to uh, <laughs> strike that level of fear into your <laughs> listeners by pretending that Daniel Webster has any serious chance of becoming the Speaker of the House. I'm not going to wave that boogeyman in front of people. Well, That's here, not going to happen. The New York Times says, as shocked members left the room, there was a sense of total disarray with no clear path forward and no set date for a new vote. A group of about 40 hardline House conservatives announced Wednesday night that they would support Rep- Rep- Representative Daniel Webster of Florida, making it unclear whether Mr. McCarthy could assemble the 218 votes he needs. And we know where that is now. Um, uh, so so everything's in disarray now. Does this mean we, we get, uh, you know, John Boehner? to kick around a little longer? I don't think so. Um, but it, 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 it's difficult. It's difficult to discern how, how this ends unless Paul Ryan decides that he'd like the job after all. Which there, today there he is said a certain he... sense that Paul Ryan is acceptable to 
most, if not all, of the different factions in the Republican caucus. And if he, he said he's not interested in the job, but um, if he changed his mind and said that he would take the job, then um, he might very well be able to get to 218. Ah, Congressman Alan Grayson, things could get really scary on Halloween, even scarier than they are normally, <laughs> right? Because Boehner is apparently... On Halloween all month long. ...leaving October 31st, replacement or not. But the thing that won't go away... So McCarthy took himself out of the running today, shocking everyone. But the thing is, your ethics complaint is still, it, it's still going. I mean, just because... Well, the problem's still there. They can't right. undo the fact that they wasted $4.5 million of taxpayer money on a uh, politically motivated uh, anti-Hillary witch hunt. Uh, they, can't, they can't undo that. They can't undo the fact that the committee still exists, and it, it, it was stalled all the way from January until now, uh, specifically for the purpose of, of having uh, Hillary's testimony coincide with the, closely with the first Democratic debate. Um, they can't undo the fact uh, that these these things violate uh, House regulations, uh, the, the ethics manual, and so on. Uh, th- this was an effort to interfere in the Democratic presidential primary using misusing public funds. Right. And right. that was the, the essence of, of what I filed yesterday morning uh, at 9 o'clock. And here we are uh, 27 hours later. Uh, and McCarthy has uh, has withdrawn his candidacy. Isn't that amazing? Shockwaves are rippling everywhere. And the Republican Party is uh, probably the only thing more dysfunctional than the Democratic Party today. Uh, it seems like everything in D.C. is a little awry. I'm wondering, Congressman Grayson, I know like among uh, my listeners, the people that I uh, talk with, uh, a lot of applause and and gratitude for you filing this ethics complaint. Well, because- you know, you know, I'll I'll tell you honestly that that um, there there are and probably uh, will be ways for them to lash back at me. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm very sure. proud of the fact that in the last two years, 15 Grayson bills were passed by the House, passed by the Senate, and signed into law by the President. And uh, <laughs> let me put it this way. Um, the odds of that may have changed uh, in the past day or so since that ethics complaint was filed. Um, they look for ways to lash back at people. Even within their own caucus, they stripped many of their members of their committee assignments right. if they didn't like the way that they were uh, behaving. And this is why it, it fell to me um, to file such a thing when we have um, so many members of Congress here who are Democrats who could have done the same thing. Uh, but but chose not to, possibly because they were concerned about repercussions. I mean, there's roughly 180 of us, and um, it, still only one complaint was filed, and that it, was by me. Right, and I uh, had raised this question, I don't think with you, because it's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken, but with someone, and I asked, is anybody going to step up and file an ethics complaint? And sure enough, you know, yesterday morning, it was one of the first things I saw. It's like, damn, yes. You know, this is why we love you, Congressman Alan Grayson, because you're not afraid of that. And I understand that, um, um, uh, is it Steny Hoyer was not very happy with you, that some in leadership uh, let it be known that they were not happy you did this? No, I don't think that that's true. No? I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not aware of everything that everybody says, right. but I, I don't recall Steny saying that. I have had conversations with Republicans who explained to me that they were very happy with Really? Me. Yes. Um, but so be it. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the, that's the way it goes. Hopefully we'll, we'll still have our amendments and our bills considered on the merits, and hopefully we can continue uh, to, to be as productive as I've been. I'm, I, I passed more amendments in the past two years than any other member of Congress, Democratic or Republican. More Grayson bills are now the law of the land than any other member of Congress, Democratic or Republican, in the past two years. Fifteen Grayson bills, 31 amendments. And uh, I'd like to be able to continue to do that, but I also want to make sure that we uh, speak truth to power and hold those in power accountable, uh, particularly when we see them uh, trying to to interfere grossly in our internal party processes by slinging uh, mud uh, at one of our candidates. I think this is a question of whether you're for or against Hillary. This is a question of whether you're for or against democracy. Oh, absolutely. Look, I, I let it be known. I'm not, I'm not a Hillary supporter. I'm, I'm actually in, in Bernie Sanders' camp. 
Um, but this, you know, it, it's like I get my mama bear hackles up. You know, don't play dirty politics. It's ugly. And, uh, you know, McCarthy, this this is the right outcome, I think. Uh, do, you, do you happen to know how many congressional investigations there were of Benghazi before the Benghazi Commission? I, I think it was something like five or six, weren't they? And they nine. all came back showing nothing, no evidence. Right. There, of there were nine. Nothing. Uh, nine. nine. Wow. And, and if you look at the last 27 news releases that were issued by the Benghazi Committee, 22 of the 27 were about Hillary Clinton. Wow. So it, it's really the, the, it's not the Benghazi Committee, it's the Committee to Generate anti-Hillary agitprop. And he's right. It worked because this relentless, uh, you know, uh, going on about her, the emails, which, of course, came out of the Benghazi thing, it it just wears people down. You know, with me, I I just I go numb to it. I turn a blind eye. It's like they're throwing so much crap against the wall just to see what sticks. uh, So I don't believe any of it. But most people don't pay attention the way we do. And so it has had an effect. And it's, uh, you know, you called him out on it. So, you know, good, good on you. And, I, and I'm hoping, I, I, I know, look, you, you do what you believe is in the best interest of your constituents and of the American people. Another reason why I'm a, a big supporter of yours. Um, but, it, you know, it, it comes to a point where what's right is right. You're right. This is not about Hillary Clinton. This is about the, our political system getting so ugly uh, and, and again, it's one of the reasons I like Bernie Sanders, because he says, I'm going to talk about the merits. I'm going to talk about what I believe in and what I'm running on. And you can ask the other candidates about what they think, what they feel. It shouldn't be about attacking the other guy. It should be about what you can do for the American people. Well, for sure. And in particular, it shouldn't be about unfair and unwarranted attacks well, on the other guy or gal or, or secretary or senator, as the case may be. Um, I, I've read every single classified document about Benghazi, uh, the, the reports, the memos, the emails, the diplomatic cables. I've read them all. She did nothing wrong. Yeah, she did nothing wrong. That's what I. That's what and I. And it's appalling uh, to see that she gets this terrible. Um, uh, how shall I put this? Uh, a show trial, mm. uh, Stalinist show trial, uh, when in fact she didn't do anything wrong. I, I'm all in favor of holding people accountable when they do something wrong. I I don't mind it when it's directed against me. Uh, but the, the 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 fact is that uh, she didn't do anything wrong, and all this is just that much more unfair. Uh, and and so and so it goes. Uh, the Benghazi committee will continue. I believe uh, Secretary Clinton is set to testify in the next couple of weeks and and it's going to keep going. And now they're going to impanel a new special select committee on Planned Parenthood. Um, I'm hoping the American people can see through the nonsense that they're pulling here, uh, because instead of talking about the issues, they, they keep putting up these smoke screens. And oh, I mean, it's exactly the way Hillary Clinton's uh, famous husband once described it. The politics of personal destruction has mm. been going on since Gingrich took out Jim Wright uh, here in this body in the House of Representatives. Uh, it was uh, uh, probably perfected in the attack on Acorn that destroyed oh, yeah. Acorn. Oh, yeah. And uh, now they're they're wielding the same uh, illegal and unethical means uh, to torpedo Hillary's campaign and to kill Planned Parenthood. You know, it's it's it. This is their M.O. And you, Congressman Grayson, uh, you interrupted them. You you said, no, no more business as usual. Put We're it gonna... back on them. Yeah, right. exactly. And good. Let me ask you one last question while I've got you, because uh, you and I have spoken many times over the last few years about the Trans-Pacific Partnership. You were one of the loudest voices in opposition to it. You're one of the first people who actually uh, cut through all the crap to be able to read it, even though you had to be in a you know hermetically sealed room with with no staffers, no pencil, no telephone, no uh, anything else, but just read it. Um, now that uh, they've come to an agreement, and Hillary Clinton has said she's against it, um, what are your thoughts going forward? Do we still have a chance of derailing this piece of crap? Well, we had 28 Democrats who voted for fast track uh, to rerail it um, and rail it. Um, So to to, um, unrail it, um, it's going to take some real pressure on those 28 Democrats uh, to to, uh, act in a more um, responsible manner. I don't know if Hillary's going to start to make calls or not, but I think that if she did, 
that conceivably might have to have some kind of impact. I think some of these 28 probably have already endorsed her. Um, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. There, it's one thing to say you're for against something, and it's another thing to work for exactly. against it. I've been working against this now for years and working hard against it. Our video at TradeTreachery.com um, had over 1 million views on Facebook alone. Wow. Uh, and that was one way that we worked against it. But I've been on the, the whip team against these uh, unconstitutional trade giveaways now for years. And I'm going to continue to do that. If Hillary weighs in at that level, then I think we have some chance of preventing it. But I think the more likely course of, uh, is that uh, it'll become uh, an issue in the Republican presidential uh, debates. And I think if all of the leading Republican candidates come out against it, uh, it's pretty clear that Trump's likely to do that. Yep. Uh, if if all of them come out against it, it, it becomes that much harder for them to scrape together the roughly 200 votes that they would need among the Republicans out of the 240 plus Republicans that there are uh, to get this uh, through the House. That's um, those numbers start to look bad when they lose any significant number of Republicans because it squeaked by. Um, it was so close that if four members had switched their votes uh, last time on fast track, we would have stopped it, and we did stop it, but it, it, it got. It came back from the dead uh, two days later. Right. Oh, boy. I, I can't even imagine the feeling over there right now. I, I, I would imagine uh, the halls of Congress are buzzing right now with nobody uh, quite sure of what happens next. This is uncharted territory, isn't it? Well, the lunatics have taken over the asylum. <laughs> what else is new? You know, I was floating with somebody, our, our choices uh, on Twitter for speaker. Now, I know Congressman Grayson, as the most effective member of Congress, you work with your colleagues across the aisle, even when uh, sometimes you disagree with them vehemently on some issues. I know, uh, I think it was Joshua Holland and I both agreed, we'd love to see a speaker, Louis Gohmert. Um, and when I've raised his name to you, uh, sort of in a mocking way, you've said, I actually like uh, uh, Gomert. We've worked together on bills, you see, because you know how to do that. Well, I mean, that's right. I, I want to I get to yes, even though I have a fundamentally different view of, uh, uh, of the world than many of them do, uh, and I have different priorities. But I want to do good things. I want to advance my progressive agenda. And the way that we do that is we either shame them into going along with it. They just can't figure out a decent way to say no. Uh, or alternatively, uh, we find some kind of common ground. To us, it might be an environmental bill. To some of them, it might be a states' rights bill, depending upon how I draft it. And then there's other things we do as well in order to get things done. But I will tell you that um, whoever is in charge, um, we're likely to continue to get things done. Slate Magazine called me the most effective member of Congress. Yep. Business Insider said I was the most productive member of Congress. Time Magazine said I was a standout member and a do-nothing Congress. We get things done. Uh, we'll continue to find a way to win. Uh, I have no doubt of that. Looking forward to seeing you down here in South Florida. I know we're not going to talk campaign stuff because this is official business. Uh, Alan Grayson, find him at, um, uh, well, senatorwithguts.com. Congressman Alan Grayson, you're the best. And uh, can't wait to see you down here in Broward County soon. Thank you. I look forward to that, too. All right. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Bye. Congressman Alan Grayson, hopefully soon to be senator. Alan Grayson. We'll talk more about that on another day because we've got to take a break. But when we come back, a really serious story that I'm not quite sure how to wrap my brain around. The bombing, our bombing of a Doctors Without Borders hospital in Afghanistan. Really? Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net will join us to try to figure it all out. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com. In for Brad Friedman on the broadcast. What do Coca-Cola, the Grand Canyon, and Airwick have in common? I'll tell you today on High Tower Radio. While we Americans celebrate the 100th anniversary of our National Park Service, America's so-called leaders are aggressively commercializing our parks, converting these jewels of the common good into just another corporate cash cow. This started with co-branding agreements, rationalized by NPS officials as, quote, aligning the economic and historical legacies of parks with advertisers. In other words, they're selling the Park Service's proud public brand as well as its soul. First in line was Coca-Cola. In 2010, the multi-billion dollar Colossus became a, quote, proud partner with NPS by making a mere $2.5 million tax-deductible donation. 
In return, Coke got exclusive rights to use park logos in its ads. And it also was allowed to veto an NPS plan to ban sales of bottled water in the Grand Canyon Park. Disposable plastic bottles are that park's biggest source of trash. But Coke owns the Dasani brand of water, so bye-bye ban. Public outrage forced officials to reverse this crass move, but NPS's integrity has yet to recover. Then, this April, the Park Service abandoned its policy of rejecting any ties to alcohol products when Anheuser-Busch also became a proud NPS partner by making a $2.5 million tax-deductible gift. In turn, its Budweiser brand was given the Statue of Liberty. Not literally, but symbolically. Bud now has the right to plaster Lady Liberty, the iconic symbol of the USA itself, on its cans. This is Jim Hightower saying, Creeping commercialization of our public parks is no longer creeping, it's running rampant. For example, take a whiff of this. In return for becoming a proud partner, Airwick was authorized to market a new fragrance collection that it advertises as being, quote, uniquely inspired by America's national parks. Hightower's commentary is brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown. From Wall Street to Washington, this monthly newsletter reveals who's doing what to whom and why. Check it out, HightowerLowdown.org. Ah, the wonderful music of Michael Fronte and Spearhead. We can bomb the world to pieces, but we can't bomb it into peace. Hmm. And I'm Nicole Sandler, filling in for Brad Friedman and Desi Doyen on this edition of the Bradcast. Happy to be with you, though I'm not really happy about this next story. But it's one we need to talk about. And when I tried to figure out who was the best person to help me figure it out, couldn't think of anyone other than Marcy Wheeler. Joining us on the line now is Marcy Wheeler from EmptyWheel.net, at EmptyWheel on Twitter. Of course, always the first person I think of whenever there's something uh, that that just goes beyond comprehension uh, when it comes to military, intelligence. I know those two don't necessarily go together. Uh, And sure enough, I go to EmptyWheel.net to find out what the hell went on with this bombing of the uh, Doctors Without Borders um, hospital in Afghanistan. And Marcy Wheeler, as expected, you're all over this. So I guess we should start with uh, when the news first broke Monday morning, uh, because the story we were told then, if if I'm reading correctly, is pretty different from the story we're getting now, what, five days later? Sort of. Um, the, it actually happened Saturday. Okay. And Sunday, um, Ash Carter was traveling with journalists, and he said, uh, our special forces on the ground called in airstrikes, meaning they were under attack, and their, their means of dealing with it was to call in an airstrike, and it just happened to hit the hospital. I mean, actually, the first thing that DOD said was, uh, sure, Something hit the hospital at the same time as we were doing a bombing run, but we don't know if that's what happened. Uh. And then there was the Ash Carter statement. Um, And then John Campbell, who's the general for ISAF for Afghanistan, was already scheduled to come to D.C. to basically help McCain make the case for a continued troop presence in Afghanistan. And that's really important to remember is that DOD wants to keep troops there. McCain wants to keep troops there. Obama would like to be able to claim he ended the war before this, but he also doesn't want chaos to break out. Um, And so that's an underlying tension in the background. And Campbell claimed, oh, I'm, I'm clarifying. I'm, I'm telling you something different than what I told you, what, what Carter and others told you yesterday, which is that, um, our special forces wasn't weren't under attack. Rather, it was it was the Afghans who called in the airstrikes, which ended up hitting the hospital. Um, and and that was not that different a story because even on Monday morning, and this is something that almost nobody reported, but even Monday morning, Campbell was like, when pressed, he said. Yes, the the Afghans asked the special forces in close proximity 
to the hospital to call in the airstrikes. And then when asked, uh, were our special forces fighting with the Afghans who said they needed an airstrike? He said, oh, that'll all come out in the investigation. <gasps> so, so in other words, um, DOD actually has not said thus far that the, that the special forces who called in the airstrikes at the behest of the Afghans, they haven't said that they were not fighting that they were not co-present with the Afghans who were there. And that's sort of key because if they were co-present, they should have known, you know, that, that they weren't hitting a, they weren't hitting a target. Right. Um, Two really important background pieces too, that, that again have been largely lost um, is that on Friday, Thursday or Friday, DOD basically admitted that our special forces on the ground had exchanged fire with uh, Taliban in Kunduz. So the, so even though rules of engagement, even though our role there is supposed to be, you'll hear TAA, it's supposed to be train, assist and, train advise and assist. Mm-hmm. Um, the day before this happened, DOD admitted that they were doing more than train and assist. They were exchanging fire. And by the time the, the MSF strike was the 12th strike last week in Kunduz, called in on behalf of, uh, called in by special forces, there were 11 more, right? So um, most of them were south of the the hospital is in Kunduz. A lot of them were, were on the airport south of, on the outskirts of the city. I'm not sure it's south actually, but anyway. But the point is that there was already all this fighting going on with our special forces fighting hand in hand with the Afghan special forces. Um, and so the distinction of whether the Afghans asked us to call in the strike or whether the special forces did is minor unless you're worried about uh, not extending beyond the role you're supposed to be playing. So mm-hmm. in other words, DOD doesn't want to get caught having special forces actually fighting. So they have an incentive to say that these guys were not uh-huh. fighting. Uh-huh. DOD also, again, because of the background, I told you that they want to be able to keep their forces there. And then the other thing is that um, the Afghans, you, you know, so my guess is two things happened is the Afghans called in the strikes and we can talk about why they might do that. Um, but then special forces, they have a vetting process that is supposed to prevent this kind of catastrophe from happening. And it didn't happen. And, and that thus far Campbell has admitted that that didn't happen. Now, again, you know, they have DOD would be less guilty. They would not be guilty of war crimes if their vetting process screwed up. Um, and if everyone got distracted from the reason the Afghans called in the strike in the first place, and that would be kind of a preferable uh, second position for them to special forces were on the ground and called in an airstrike air on a hospital, because then our country would be guilty of war. Right, right. But but regardless, we're we're complicit at the very least because uh, the 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 vetting process for lack of the proper term obviously didn't happen there was they they didn't go through the proper steps to make sure that what are the criteria for this type of um you know bombing raid is that there's there's evidence of a combat situation where lives are in danger right and they didn't go through any of the process to make sure that that was indeed the case right and they didn't you know um they there have been people who know a whole lot more about military tactics than me saying, look, this kind of airplane doesn't just fly on um, a coordinate. It, it, it flies with visual confirmation with oh. people on the ground. Mm. And so it's a major screw up. I mean, it is a major screw up. But again, for a variety of background political reasons, both the U.S. and the Afghans would prefer to have it be uh, an undiscussed sure. question of why the Afghans called in the strike and then the U.S. having screwed up the vetting, then the Americans being on the ground and calling in the strike themselves or, or right. call, you know, agreeing with people that they were fighting with. Um, and, and I don't know whether they were with them or not. I know that, you know, if you look at the questions DOD doesn't want to answer, that's one of them. Another one is what, what were the rules of engagement? The rules of engagement should be about this train and assist um, mission. And if they weren't, then again, that raises questions about whether DOD is using troops in a way that the president hasn't approved. Right. And then the next question uh, comes from where do we go from here? 
um, I guess, the DOD and the Obama administration and probably, I guess, the Afghans as well would like, as you mentioned, just handle this internally. We'll just we'll 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 investigate it ourselves. Meanwhile, borders, which is actually um, uh, MSF um, and my French is not good. Medicine Sans Frontiers. Uh, that work okay um they want they want to um have the u.s brought up on charges of war crimes now look i think this is inexcusable and i guess if if it we find out that um u.s forces drop these bombs without going through the proper channels to make sure that this was indeed what we should be doing then they are guilty of that but what i don't understand is if there's even a consideration of this being brought up to the level of war crimes, um, what about Bush, Cheney, and company for the war crimes of getting us into these damn wars in the first place? I mean, this is bad. And there there are 22 people killed, and it's just horrific when you hear that many of the victims were burned alive in their hospital beds. It's sickening. But how many thousands or hundreds of thousands of lives were lost um, due to our first invasion of Iraq. I, I, you know, that's a war crime. Uh, yeah, but but MSF is trying to make a, a more a, narrow point. Yes. I mean, they're trying to do two things. And and um, and I and I did a post the other day describing what happened when Campbell testified uh, before McCain's committee. And um, Jean Shaheen, to her credit, said, well, you don't mind if we do an investigation and Campbell um kind of danced and he said well here's how good our investigation is and she said well you know if i understand correctly then you don't object and he's and and he didn't say yes he instead said well let me check with my boss and here's how good our investigation is but then um dan sullivan the senator from from alaska then came in and you know he you know he he started saying do you think it would be fair and balanced if the UN conducted an investigation, which was clearly on something that was accidental, the hospital bombing, when they don't investigate deliberate Taliban killings of civilians? Do you think it would be viewed as fair or balanced as something the command needs or would right. welcome? Right. And it was a it was a crazy comment. It was factually incorrect because, in fact, the UN investigates Taliban war crimes all the time. Um, but it was also very clear that that uh, both DOD and, and Sullivan was rolled out to push back against Shaheen's comment. Nobody wants an independent investigation, which, you know, which suggests there's something there. And MSF, when they reiterate and reiterate and reiterate their call for an investigation, they do so not just because they're pissed off and their colleagues were killed, but also because, um, and, and this goes to why it is plausible the Afghans targeted this hospital mm-hmm. intentionally, which is that in July, they raided, the Afghan special forces raided this precise hospital. Right. And, and there is at least rumint out there that uh, the Afghans don't like this hospital because it treats everybody, which is what hospitals are supposed to do. Of course. Um, and so the issue, at, I mean, if that's, at all, and again, the fact that the Afghan special forces raided this hospital in July makes it pretty clear they know where the hospital is because they were there raiding it in July. Mm-hmm. Um, and their their immediate comments after the attack on Saturday were, "Oh, well, there were Taliban there; they were fighting." You know, they they immediately made this argument that MSF was in bed with the Taliban um, when, you know, what the MS what MSF wants to um, defend is is the right for truly neutral parties in war zones and they need that to be in in they need that to be sacrosanct because they do this kind of work all over the world and not just when the u.s is one of the fighting parties and if it is possible for you know and i'm not saying i I think the afghan purposes for calling in the strike need to be the focus of of the journalism at this point Mm -hmm. and then we can talk about the vetting processes later but if that's in fact what happened then it really is an important principle because otherwise there's no neutrality in war left if that you know if if something of this magnitude can be allowed to happen um then you you just don't have a red cross and and by the way the red cross had to pull out of yemen Um, because of, of Saudi bombing, you know, so so we're at a point where all of these wars, and it's, you know, it's obviously not just us. The Russians bomb civilians all yep. the time. It's happening um, the in Houthi, Syria right now. We don't know what's going on over there exactly. Right. The, the right. Houthi have targeted plenty of civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if there is no um, protection for these neutral parties in war zones, then 
it it would become unworkable for them to remain on site and 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 MSF did pull out of Kunduz which means you've got you know in a place you've got they they put up um and sure you know they're working the press as well but they put up video from the clinic going back to when it opened in 2011 you know and it's kids going in there with broken yeah. bones and yeah. this is what you're taking away is that these people who live in a difficult part of the world have a medical service that a free medical service that just got removed because they got bombed by us. And by we're us. supposed to be better than that. And that's the whole thing. And I'm not saying we are. Look, we're, we're guilty of our fair share of, I think, war crimes over the last decade or two. Um, but the bombing of a hospital, I, I, I just I find it inconceivable. And, you know, also, uh, I find it curious that it's really getting so little media coverage maybe because there's no way to spin it as as positive which seems to be you know uh depending on the the so-called news outlet uh spin is their number one priority as opposed to actually you know journalism um that's why we go to mtwheel.net and hopefully shows like the broadcast and and uh, my show at radioornot.com so marcy wheeler i mean is a I, I mean msf doctors without borders is pushing for we keep hearing um uh, a war crimes investigation but in your articles you you take care to call them independent they're that they're reiterating their call for an independent investigation is there anything between like some independent world uh investigation on the world stage and war crimes or does this meet the is this war crime well, I'm, I don't know. We don't know I mean, yet. Right. You know, it is quite possible there was active fighting going on, and it is quite possible that um, people panicked. And I, and I, and I, I, you know, and that again, I think it's fairly clear that the Americans didn't vet the strike. Mm -hmm. um, and and Campbell, speaking anonymously, even though he promises a transparent process, has has kind of admitted that 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 our vetting process, but, but that's a, that's a vetting process. We make those kinds of mistakes. We, we do a reasonably good job of keeping them down, but we make those mistakes with tragic consequences. The real underlying issue is why the strikes got called in in the first place. And depending on that, depending on that reason, um, that's when you get into whether or not it's a war crime, depending on what they knew about the hospital, about why they called it in, about whether there was any reason to believe that there was active fighting from the hospital and so on and so forth. Um, and so, uh, and so that's, I mean, you know, MSF I'm sure is calling for an independent investigation for more than just that's the only way that they can certify whether or not it's a war crime. I think that they, um, I think, look, I, I mean, even Obama, you know, uh, um, Tuesday, uh, the, the White House press secretary was asked, well, is Obama going to apologize? And he said, well, we're going to wait until we get all the facts. Mm -hmm. And then Monday, uh, Wednesday morning, President Obama called apologize. and the press description of what happened was he called to apologize. But if you look at the the readout that, you know, the White House provides a summary of these conversations. And if you look at the readout of that conversation, he called to apologize. Sure. But he also called to make the same case that General Campbell tried to make, which was, look at how great and independent our yeah. investigation is. And yeah. MSF came out right after that was released and said, no, we I don't want an independent investigation. Them. So, you know, he called to try and convince them to, to, to back off their claims for an, their, their, their demand for an independent investigation. And, and they, they're not playing. And so, you know, they clearly believe that there is a reason a U.S., an Afghan, a NATO investigation will not be adequate. And they may have good reason to believe, you know, they may have good reason to know that. Um, there, there are also, I mean, uh, no need to get into it, but there are also a lot of internal Afghan politics here and questions about whether the the power sharing is going the way it's supposed to. And so, again, that's all stuff that the U.S. and the Afghans want to bury because otherwise the U.S. won't be able to stay in Afghanistan for the long term. But, uh, but you know, I, that's why MSF is calling for an independent investigation. And, and you know, the, the principle, and they keep saying this, the principle of the Geneva Conventions is, is worth fighting for. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, it's not just their dead colleagues. It's also that without that, support for neutral parties on the ground you war becomes even more inhumane than it already is 
Ah, oh. <laughs> and, and it's hard to make a case. It could be any more inhumane. And then we see something like this and it just goes from, uh, you know, inconceivable to unbelievable to enough already. Um, and yet, you know, we have no say in that. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the United States saying we'll, we'll conduct our own investigation of what we did wrong is patently absurd. And if, if this administration is pushing that, they deserve all the ridicule they get. That's insane. I'm sorry. Uh, just like, um, uh, well, there are some over here who are criticizing the fact in the Iran deal that, um, you know, Iran gets to do some of their own inspections. Now, yes, we get the, 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 the International Atomic uh, uh, Agency in there as well, but the fact that they're going to do their own um, inspections, we consider ludicrous. This sounds just as ludicrous as that does. Right, and, and you know, given what people who know how the IAE works, it wouldn't be quite as... as, as independent as Iranian alone as the AP originally reported and that's the point is that you need independent fact finders on the ground and and for whatever reason an MSF you know is is certainly not explaining the extent of their concerns but for whatever reason and you know I I get that like the you know the the United States has a lot of pull and they're they're going to be able to uh influence the outcome of anybody who does the investigation. The general that they have doing the investigation is not a guy who's been there. He's not a guy who, you know, who was otherwise on the fast track. So it's, um, it, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of reason to believe even as an American that it was set up to be a really strenuous investigation, especially given how hard Everyone, the president, the general, the senator, are all trying to 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 push back at the idea that there needs to be an independent investigation. I mean, that you know, it's like me thinks they doth protest too you much think? about this independent investigation. Yeah, and meanwhile, what there's like twenty three people dead uh, right. or thereabouts who including were in a kids. hospital, including, including I think three children. It's yeah. it's really sickening and. Um, you know, part of me was heartened when I heard that the president had apologized. Then, of course, I just saw a tweet from uh, the, the, attributed to Ben Carson. He said, I wouldn't apologize. Um, but now we hear, I guess, the president didn't necessarily apologize either. Well, so. he did apologize. I mean, I, you know, I, he definitely apologized. MSF did not refute okay. his claim to oh, have apologized. Okay. But on that call, he also pitched this DOD-led investigation. Yeah, it's like self-deportation. We'll self-investigate. It'll be right. fine. Right, I mean, you know, he, he, I think he, you know, it's fairly clear that he tried to convince MSF that this DOD investigation was adequate, and and, um, and they don't believe it is. Uh, and so, uh, and I, you know, um, General Campbell, uh, one of the things he said when he testified was he was asked how quickly the initial results would come out, and he's like, oh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, they have to keep finding people to talk to, and... Um, uh, it was rounds from North Dakota, North, South Dakota, I forget, Mike rounds. But anyway, he's like, well, 30 days, can you give us a preliminary investigation in 30 days? And so you already see that there's this, you know, rounds is looking for some kind of quick response and DOD isn't even committing to that. And so, you know, the, the further we get from this attack, the more likely it is that people will stop paying attention to MSFs, you know, twice daily uh, email alerts about the need for an independent investigation. Oh so, Oh, boy. And so what the only thing we know is that uh, we don't know a whole lot. And there's a whole lot of uncertainty swirling about. Uh, we'll stay on top of it. I know you will. Marcy Wheeler, find her at EmptyWheel.net on the Twitters at EmptyWheel. Thank you so much for being here today and uh, for the work you do. Always appreciate it. Thanks so much, Nicole. And with that, another edition of the broadcast comes to a close. But never fear, we'll be back again next time. I'm Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com, filling in for Brad and Desi while they enjoy a few days off. So I'll be back with you next time, too. And you can also check out my show at RadioOrNot.com anytime. If you miss any edition of the broadcast, it's all downloadable at Bradblog.com or via iTunes. Until next time... Good luck, world.